0: Acts chapter 16, I'm going to read, start at verse 6, and I'm going to read down through verse 13. It says, Now when they had gone throughout Phrygia, in the region of Galatia, were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia. After they were come to Mysia, they assailed to go into Bithynia. Spirit suffered them not. They, passing by Mysia, came down to Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. And after he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia. Assuredly, gathering the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. Therefore, loosing from Troas, we came with a straight course to Samothracia, and the next day to Neapolis. From thence to Philippi, which is the chief city of that part of Macedonia, and a colony, and we were in that city abiding certain days. And on the Sabbath we went out of the city by the riverside where prayer was wont to be made, and we sat down and spake unto the women which resorted thither. A certain woman named Lydia, a seller of purple, the city of Thyatira, which worshipped God, heard us, whose heart the Lord opened, that she attended unto the things which are spoken of Paul. And when she was baptized in her household, she besought us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and abide there. And she constrained us. And we'll stop there. So let's, we'll, I'm going to look at this tonight. Um, title is um, Giving Out the Gospel Wherever We Are. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the opportunity and privilege we have to open your word tonight. We thank you for the record you've given us in your word of the acts of the apostles and the direction of the Holy Spirit. And I pray, Father, as we uh, look into your word tonight, that we'd be encouraged and challenged anew and afresh to. Uh, continue to give out the gospel, wherever we may be, at every opportune time, and uh, that you might be re- received glory and honor uh, through your servants, we do pray in Jesus' name, amen. Uh, you know, as we think of it, as we you know, have a missions conference coming up to the end of the month, some of these things I'm going over, this is not new stuff to you, I'm sure, uh, but some things that we ourselves need to be reminded of. And the first thing I want to look at tonight is, each of us has an area of responsibility. In verses 6 through 8, it says, Now they were gone throughout, when they had gone throughout Phrygia, in the region of Galatia, were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia. After they were come to Mysia, they essayed to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit suffered them not. And they, passing by Mysia, came down to Troas. Uh, you know, as you think about this, this account here, it seems kind of odd, does it not? That Paul and his team uh, were forbidden to go into Asia, uh, and they were. It says they the spirit suffered them not to go into Bithynia. Um, I'm not sure where exactly that is, but it, it gets over in that Asia, uh, toward Asia, from where they were. They were they were in uh, 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 Derby and other places over toward the Mediterranean Sea. But anyway, uh, you know, it, it was it seems odd that you know here's here's an evangelistic team, church planting team, in, endeavoring by the grace of God to plant churches, but it says they were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia now we won't, don't want to read too much into this but you know we need to be open to where the Lord has us to go and not to be overly concerned about where he doesn't have us to go you know sometimes people uh, you know, if you look at the world, I mean, you can go anywhere. There's needs everywhere. That doesn't mean it's for you to go there or I to go there. Uh, there's, but each of us has a definite area of responsibility, and that's what we see here coming out in this, I believe, that, that Paul is giving specific directions as to where he is to go. And, you know, there's a lot of things that we could say that would go into maybe the Lord's direction and where a person would go. And, and even the fact that, you know, uh, not, never, not everyone's going to receive the gospel. Not everyone's prepared to receive the gospel. There are some areas that, that are, that are, are, are um, not open to the gospel. I was talking to an a, a, um, uh, old man. He had been, spent 50 years in Africa uh, one time. And I said, uh, do you ever have places to get into where you you couldn't do anything really couldn't do anything? He said, Yeah. He said, We'd usually spend at least three years in one place. But he said, after three years, if there was nothing, we moved on. He said, There was there was plenty of places that were open, but he said there were some that that just, you know, they were just hardened or for whatever reason the gospel they would not receive it. So he said, yeah, we move on. And you know, only the Lord know that, of course, knows that, of course. But but each of us has an area of responsibility that God has given us. You know, where we live, you know, you know I preached a message, I don't know, a couple years ago about every member of evangelism and each of us how each of us just goes out into our own little world and we're to take the gospel into our own little world wherever we are. Wherever we work, the people we come in contact with, the people we live around, and, you know, and, and our families and relatives and so on and so forth. That, that's, our, that's our own definite area of responsibility that the Lord has given to us. Uh, and, of course, this is a command that we be, we're to be witnessed unto him uh, you know, wherever we go. Jesus called his disciples in Matthew four nineteen. He says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Uh John 17, 18, as thou hast sent me, so send I you into the world. And and so so we are to go and we and we have specific areas that are for us. You know, Peter was chosen to be a a uh, uh apostle to the Jews, particularly. Not that he and we'll see this later, not that he never preached the Gentiles, but his area that the Lord directed him to was particularly to the Jews. Paul mentions that. And, but Paul to the Gentiles. You know, I will send thee far unto the Gentiles, is what the Lord said to him when he saw him on the road to Damascus. Even though Paul's heart was burdened for his Jewish brethren, but did, did his Jewish brethren ever receive him? The answer really is no. Um, they wanted to kill him, and that's what they always set about to do. So, each of us has a definite area of responsibility. The second thing we see in this passage is is the the need of man, the need of mankind is the gospel. In verses 9 and 10, a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him, saying, come over into Macedonia and help us. And after we had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia. assuredly gathered the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. And so we, we see very clearly what the, the, the need is, and, you know, this is, we call this the Macedonian call in the Bible, and, and, you know, there was a man saying, come over into Macedonia and help us. Now, you know, the world cries a lot about needing help, and people cry a lot about needing help. Um, I got a message from somebody this week wanting help, wanting me to intervene for their help, to help them. But the help they need is not really what they need. What they need to do is go get a job, and quit begging for money, and quit making excuses of why you can't work. You know, that's, that's the but you know, they're not willing to see that, so I, I do not intervene in cases like that. So in case you're interested in getting me to help you in that situation, forget it. I don't help those, I don't, I don't intervene for those kind of things. Um, no, that's not the help they need. What they need is, and of course, I have endeavored to give this person the gospel also, and you know, they're not interested really in the gospel. Just, it's just lip service, but there's no, there's no uh, response to it. No, the help man needs is the gospel. See, all our social ill problems in our, in our world tonight could be solved if we just follow Bible principles. It's really, really, really pretty, pretty simple. Uh, you know, the, the lame man, when Peter and John were confronted with the lame man in Acts chapter 3, in, in uh, verse 2 it says, A certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried, to whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked alms. Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, Look on us. He giving heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. Then said Pete, Peter said, Silver and gold have I none. But such as I have, I give unto thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and leaped, lifted him up. And immediately his feet and his ankle bones received strength. And he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. You know, he he wanted money. You know, most people want, they want, they want financial help, or they want some kind of help. And I remember some, this had been many years ago, I was in Durham for some reason, and it was a, I stopped at a bread store. I know it was a bread store in Durham that we would often buy bread, and, um, and I was got out of the truck to go into the bread store, and this guy came walking by. He says, uh, "You got any? You got anything you can give me?" I mean, I didn't have any cash. or any cash in my wallet that day, and I, so I had my apple left over from my lunch. I thought, well, apples are good for you. So I, I said, "Yeah, I have this apple." Oh, what do you think I am? You yeah. know? I said, "Well, sorry, I can't help you." No, you see. The help man needs is the gospel. They don't. They don't. They don't need social uh, 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 help from their social problems. They need. To, they need to get right with God. You know the eunuch had religion when he came to to Jerusalem, but his religion didn't help him. Uh, he had he he had the worship and he was came to worship like the Old Testament saints. But what he needed was the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, you know we have all kinds of social. Uh, 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 solutions today but without really any real results the problem is, is sin uh, look at, look at uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and, and by the way this was these were problems we have in our country today are problems that were characteristic of many of the cities that Paul took the gospel to and in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 In verse 8, it says, For from you sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and the but also in every place your faith to God's word is spread abroad, so that we need not to speak anything. For they themselves show of us what manner of entering in we had unto you, how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God, to wait for a son from heaven whom we raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. So, you know, now if you just read that casually, don't understand the context of what that is written, when he, when he says you turn to God from idols, Thessalonia had this temple to the gods with its temple prostitutes. And it was considered okay even for married men to go visit the temple and temple prostitutes. But notice Paul says, they themselves show of us what manner of end we had unto you, how you turned to God from us. So they turned away from all that. Think of the family problems and conflicts that are resolved when the men turned away from that kind of sinful lifestyles. See, the all the transgender and the LBGT, all that all that... That would go away if people would get right with God. It's not a matter of, am I born that way? It's a matter of sin. I've chosen that way. And so, uh, you know, psychology doesn't have the answer. No, no the, the word of God has the answer. I remember years ago, I was, uh, was uh, this was, we were still in Pennsylvania. And I was talking to a man who had been divorced, and then he married another woman and he was having trouble in his marriage and and uh we got talking about psychologists and he said he said let me let me tell you my experience he said so i said i i was having some trouble in my second marriage and there was quite an age span between him and his second wife although they did work it out and they're still together he's 80 some years old now but anyway he went to see one of these minute clinic psychologists of the same stripe as James Dobson and sort of the kind of thing. And he said, uh, you know, I was telling the psychologist that I'm having, having trouble in my marriage. And he said, he, but he opened the door, he said, that's no problem here. He said, uh, I, I got this uh, 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 no fault, you know, work it out, easy way to work it out, divorce plan. He said, I was paying him $125 an hour. Now, this was back in 1990s. an hour he said I didn't come here to get a divorce I wanted I came here to get help you know the wisdom of this girl world is foolishness with God so the help that man needs is the gospel the third thing we see here is you don't have to have a dynamic personality or a theology theology degree to preach the gospel Uh, Verse 10. Verse 10 says this. After he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. Now here's what you need. You need to know assuredly that God has commanded you to take the gospel out into the world. That he has chosen you Called, us. he says, called us. That means we've been chosen to take the gospel into our world. We need to be confident that the Lord hath called us. First Thessalonians five twenty four says, "Faithful is he that calleth you, who also will do, to, uh, do it." Second Timothy one nine says, "He saved us and called us." So we have been chosen. As God's people, we have been chosen to take the gospel of those around us, those we come in contact with, uh, wherever that might be. We have been given a command, that is, go. We've been given promised power. Ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. You shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and the uttermost part of the world. You don't have to have a theology degree. You don't have to have uh, great uh, ability with speech and be able to people with 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 speech no what you need is being assured that the lord has, has called you look at first uh, first corinthians chapter 2 first corinthians chapter 2 and verse 4 first corinthians 2 and verse 4 paul says in my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom You know, I didn't have, I, he, or really what he's saying is I didn't use very seducive words or manipulation or flowery speech or, you know, or any of that kind of stuff. But in a demonstration of the Spirit and of power. So he was directed by the Holy Spirit. If he's directed by the Holy Spirit, then the Holy Spirit will give him the words to say. I'm trying to remember. It was uh, I think it was two weeks ago, maybe last Wednesday night. About you know uh, not to, you know the the Lord told the disciples not to premeditate what they would say when they would be called before kings. And don't he said don't premeditate what you should say, for I will give you a mouth. I will give you a mouth. In other words. The Lord will direct. If we are are being led of the Spirit, the Lord will direct us in what to say. And if the Lord is directing it, it has the power of God behind it. And and, and, and if the Lord is directing it, He'll give you the scriptures that you have put in your mind. He'll bring those to your remembrance and and to, to effectively use for His glory. Again... So he says it's not enticing words of man's wisdom but in demonstration of the spirit and of power. So it's not our power of persuasion it's the power of the spirit's conviction that we need. That your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men. It isn't you that they need to be impressed with. It isn't you and I. But they need to be impressed with the Word of God. That's what needs to to impress. Make an impression on their minds. It's the word of God. That that your face should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God, Paul said. Uh, you know, in 1 Corinthians 15.10, he said, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 7, he says, we have this treasure in earthen vessels. So, so God, you know, it, it, it's really kind of amazing You think about it. Here we are, we're just vessels of clay, ordinary people called to be an ambassadors for Christ to take the gospel message that can deliver a person from, from, the, from the clutches of sin and translate them into the kingdom of here is your son. And we have a command to take the message that has the power to do that. And our job and all that is just to give the word. Give the word. It's the Lord that does the saving. I like the illustration that Brother Forney, with the Lord now, gave some years ago about that. When it was said about, he's telling the story about the man across the lake and he got word it, it was after dark. And and it, I think it was a couple hour hike across the lake in the wintertime. He got word that the man had cancer and was dying. And he knew he knew of him. And so he said, uh uh and, and he said the trip over meant I was gonna spend the night. So he said, I, you know, kind of begrudgingly packed a few things and got my wraps, coats, and and boots and all that on and made the trek across the lake to visit the man, went in to visit the man. And having conversation with him, he he said he was sitting in an overstuffed chair and the arm of it was all, the the covering was off of it, and he said he he pulled the arm of the chair up like this and out from under there he pulled out his old worn Bible. And he read John 3.16. And he said, can you tell me what that means? And he, and he began to tell him, i talked to a shaman, I've talked to a priest, I've talked to an Anglican pastor, and I've talked to this person, I've talked to that person, and nobody can tell me what's it mean to be born again. So for a couple of hours, Brother Forney would get, talked to him, began to witness him, and he said, after about three hours in, he said, I saw a man born again. I saw it. He didn't pray a prayer. He said, I saw it. He, he, could, he could see that that man was receiving what he was saying and, and believing it in his heart. He saw it in his expressions. His countenance has changed. Later, he went to see him in the hospital. He was in the hospital. He was dying. And he went in to see him, and he couldn't talk. But he said, when I entered the room, his lips moved, and he said this, the born-again man. The born-again man. See, ours is just to give out the word. It's the spirit of God. In fact, look at Titus chapter 3. Titus chapter 3. That... It's the spirit of God that brings the new birth. Titus chapter 3, verse 4. But after that, the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. We don't save anybody. We simply give the word. We give the word repent and uh, of repentance and believing in the, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, receiving Christ as Lord and Savior, and, and and the Spirit of God is what brings conviction and brings about repentance in the heart. In the heart. And so we are simply commanded to go. Romans ten, 10 Reminds us how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel, peace, and bring glad tidings of good things. Uh, yeah, go to Amos chapter 7. Amos chapter 7, I think, illustrates for us this, this idea that, you know, we, we don't have to be, uh, have some kind of formal training or anything like that. We just, we just need to take the gospel. Amos 7, verse 10 says, Then Amaziah the priest of Bethel sent to Jeroboam, king of Israel, saying, Amos hath conspired against thee in the midst of the house of Israel, and the land is not able to bear all his words. For thus Amos saith, Jerodom shall die by the sword, and Israel shall surely be led away captive out of the land. Also Amaziah said unto Amos, O thou seer, go flee thee away in the land of Judah, and there eat bread and prophesy there. Prophesy not any more, again any more, at Bethel, for it is the king's chapel, and it is the king's court. In other words, you don't have the credentials to prophesy here. You're not qualified to prophesy in this king's court. Well, Jeremiah, uh, Amos went on and said, look, then said Amos and said to Amaziah, I was no prophet, neither was I a prophet's son. But I was a herdman, and gather a gatherer of sycamore fruit. And the Lord took me as I followed the flock. And the Lord said unto me, Go prophesy unto my people Israel. And so, we've been commanded to go. And we just need to go. We just need to give out the gospel. And then fourthly, time for action. Of course, it's always present. Time is now. You know, giving out the gospel is always a present thing. Verses 10-11 says, And after he had seen the vision, immediately endeavored did endeavor to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathered, the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. Then, loosing from Troas, we came with a straight course to Thamathrasia, and the next day to Leopas. And from thence to Philippi, which is the chief city of the part of Macedonia, a colony. We were in that city abiding certain days. So, immediately... They they didn't tarry. They didn't waste time. Uh, you know, we need, to, we need to go wild as day. Work wild as day. Night cometh when no man will work. Ephesians 5 tells us we are to redeem the time because the days are evil. We're to walk circumspectly, redeeming the time, uh, using our time wisely. And uh, so so we need to take the gospel. Uh, we also need to be concerned about those along the way. You know, we... We may have a definite area of responsibility, but, hey, you can witness to those in other places. You go wherever you go. Look at verses 13, 14, and then verse 16. It says, And on the Sabbath day we went out of the river, the city by the riverside, where prayer was one to be made, and we sat down and spake unto the women which resorted thither. And a certain woman named Lydia, seller of purple, of the city of Thyatira, which worshipped God, heard us, whose heart the Lord opened, and she attended under the things which were spoken of Paul. Now uh there at Philippi, this woman's from Thyatira. This is a woman, they saw a man in the vision. Uh, verse sixteen, it says it came to pass as we went to prayer, a certain damsel possessed with the spirit of divination met us, which brought her masters much uh gain by soothsaying." saying. And so, you know, it didn't matter who it was, uh, they preached the gospels. There was individuals, there was ladies, there was you know man in the vision, uh 're to take the gospel to anybody uh Paul was commanded to take the the gospel before kings before for servants and you know the heathen and whoever whoever uh, you know everyone needs needs the gospel jesus you know uh waited for the blind and and the and the lame and so we need to be be willing to take the gospel to anyone we meet you know sometimes. Sometimes the rougher they look the more the receptive they are. You know some you ever you ever have somebody that you know they just look so bad you're half afraid to say a thing cuz you think you might bite your head off. You know they might be they might be just a big teddy bear. And maybe they're looking for some truth. Then also we need to be willing to uh, sacrifice, willing to sacrifice. Notice verses 22 to 33. And the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates ran off their clothes and commanded to beat them. And when they had laid many stripes upon them and cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely, who having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stalks. And at midnight Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. Suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and every one's bands were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awaking out of his sleep, seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword, and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had been fled. But Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for light, sprang in, and came trembling, and fell down before Paul and Silas. Now this, you know, this was again, this was, where the Lord directed them, and how it ended up. You remember in Matthew chapter fourteen, Jesus sent the disciples away in a boat on the Sea of Galilee, and what happened? I mean, there was a big storm come up. It was so big they thought they were going to sink. And that's when Jesus came walking on the water. Now again, understand. That is where Jesus sent them. He sent them. You might say, He sent them into a storm? Yeah, He did. What's one of the things He said to them when He got into the boat? Oh, ye of little faith. Isn't that what He said? I just think that's why He sent them in there. He was trying to increase their faith. You know sometimes the Lord sends us into places or to people that will try us. That will try us. That may respond in ways that you don't like. Maybe hurtful. Um But they may respond in ways that, that aren't aren't kind. Or it may cost you. By the way, taking the gospel, taking your time, it you know, that's it's gonna cost you. But the dividends are well worth it. Uh you know, I I've never been beaten, I've been ridiculed and I've been had some nasty things said about me and to me and whatever and you know, when I've been out witnessing, but but I've never suffered anything like this. But but, you know, there is there is the opportunity for things that try us. Uh, but we need to be willing, be willing to suffer these things. Look at first Corinthians chapter four again. And you know, Paul you may be looked upon as foolish. First Corinthians four. Verse nine. For I think that God has sent forth us, the apostles, last, as it were appointed to death. For he made a spectacle unto the world, and to angels and to men. We are fools for Christ's sake, but ye are wise in Christ. We are weak, but ye are strong. Ye are honorable, but we are despised. Even in this present hour we both hunger and thirst, and are naked and are buffeted, have no certain dwelling place. And labor, working with our own hands, being reviled, we bless. Being persecuted, we suffer it. Being defamed, we entreat. We are made as the filth of the world and are the offscouring of all things unto this day. I write not these things to shame you, but as my beloved sons, I warn you. For though ye have ten thousand instructors in Christ, yet have you not many fathers. For in Christ Jesus I have begotten you through the gospel. Wherefore I beseech you, be ye followers of me. If you're going to be a follower of Paul, you're going to suffer for it. That's what he's saying. You know you'd be willing to suffer... The off-scouring, the mockery of the world. You know, many times people will ask, how many people you got in a church? Oh, 30, 30, 31. And you know, that used to be a little embarrassing, but I'm not embarrassed about it anymore. You know why? Because I like it when they ask, or I ask them how many they have, and then I ask, well, how many you have on Wednesday night? Well, we have 150 Sunday morning. We have about 40 on Sunday, Wednesday night. Or as a lady was telling me the other day, she said, you know, um, we have our midweek service at 2 o'clock in the afternoon on Wednesday. It was only 8 or 9. Only eight or nine. And I'll guarantee you they have more than we do on Sunday morning. You see, but when you say you only have thirty, people think, like, oh, yeah, yeah, okay, you know. I don't care anymore. But uh no, we have to be willing to pay the price. And then lastly, we must not be quick to take offense. Notice verses thirty. 23 and 24, 23 and 24, and when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safe. who having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks, and then if you drop down to verse 27, it says, and the keeper of the prison, awaking out of his sleep, and seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing the prisoners had been fled. Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for light, and sprang in, and came trembling, and fell down before Paul and Silas, and brought them out, and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? I guarantee you he didn't call them sirs before. And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved in thy house. And they spake unto him the word of the Lord, and to all that were in his house. And, of course, and he took them the same hour of the night, washed the stripes, and was baptized, and he and all his straightway. Now, they didn't take offense. You know he this is the guy that thrust them. That word "thrust" means like he threw them in i 'm sure he didn't treat them kindly. Trailers were the worst of the worst. They were very rough men and and so they were thrust in, and then their feet fastened in stalks, and yet when they're set free, they didn't try to flee. And the jailer's about to kill himself and they tell him, don't do that. We're all here. You know, he thought it was going to be his head because he figured the prisoners were free. You see, we're not to be offended at the reactions of the wicked. They are going to react. Some may react in a positive way, many will react in a negative way. You know, the Samaritan woman, she wasn't very nice to some of the things she said to the Lord Jesus. He really didn't pay that much attention to what, or take, take you know, he, he answered her from the scriptures. He didn't, he didn't really uh, object to the things she said or, or attempt to correct her. He simply stated what the scriptures thought. Uh, in fact, look at John chapter 15. John chapter 15. John 15. Verse 18. If the world hate ye, know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love his own. But because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. Remember the word that I have said unto you, the servant is not greater than his lord, if they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept my saying, they will keep yours also. And, and then in verse twenty-three, or verse 22, if I had not come and spoken to them, they had, not had, they had not had sin. But now they have no cloak for sin. What he's saying is they wouldn't, have, they wouldn't really know what their sin was. It wouldn't, wouldn't have been made exposed if they, he had not come. But now they can't hide it because he's confronted them face to face with it you know when you take the gospel to somebody you're going to confront them you're going you're to expose their sin and their need and sometimes they're going to react to that I remember the very first guy I really witnessed to Glenn Metz not Glenn Metz his last name was Metz there is a Glenn Metz, but it wasn't in the sky. Anyway. And, you know, I was using the Romans Road back then, and I got to all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And I began to explain that we're all sinners. And he got mad. And he swore at me. And he said, he said that uh, uh, something to the fact that, that he'd been a Christian all his life. And so... You know, I let it go and then his wife began to talk. And I really think his wife was a saved lady. She was receptive to what I was saying. He turned me off right that he turned he turned it off right at that point. But you know, after I left the house that evening, I was not discouraged. I was encouraged by the fact that it was it was not I that failed to give him the truth. It was he that reacted in a negative way to the truth. But what I had done was exposed. He had no longer any cloak for his sin. I exposed the area of his way. And he got angry because of that. And that's what the Pharisees did. They got angry because Jesus had exposed their sin. Verse 24 said, If I had not done among them the works which none other man did, they had not had sin, but now have they both seen and hated both me and my father. So he said, uh, he, he, what he did was expose how they really hated God. They said they loved God, but they didn't. So then he goes on and says in verse six, chapter 16, verse 1, These things have I spoken unto you, that ye should not be offended. In other words, don't be surprised. It's going to happen. When you, when you give somebody the gospel, you're going you're to have to confront them with the fact that they are sinners. They're in need of a Savior. And some will receive it, acknowledge that, yes, that is true, and others will get upset and angry with you. But again, don't be offended at the reactions. It's not you. It's the gospel that they are angry with. And so, you know, Paul and Silas here, we're not offended. They responded in kindness and mercy to the jailer and to his whole house. You know, again, this goes along with what we've learned in Matthew chapter 5, verses 11, 12, and then verses 43 and through 48. We're to, be, we're to love our enemies, do good to them that persecute us and hate us and despitefully use us, that we may be like our Father, which is in heaven. And so... You know we need to continue to give out the gospel. doesn't matter whether they're black, white, oriental, rich, poor, uh, moral or immoral atheist. they all need the gospel. they all need the gospel and we have a we have a job to do we must We must resolve to keep giving out the gospel even though we're not seeing multitudes saved. We need to be faithful, in, <coughs> excuse me, in giving out the gospel, because uh, we know that the Lord has called us for this purpose. Let's pray, Heavenly Father. We do thank you again for the time and your Word tonight. We thank you for the challenge it gives to us, Father. We pray you'd help us as your people just to be faithful in giving out the gospel. Uh, whether it be a place of business or neighbors or bank or wherever places we go, Father, Father, help us just to be faithful (coughs) restaurants and giving out the gospel. uh, For your glory and for your honor, we do pray in Jesus' name. Amen.